Well, we're looking at the basics, the Ten Commandments. First commandment we looked at, we learned that there's nothing more important than having the right God in the right place in our lives. Then last week, we saw that God is passionate for us to worship him accurately and on his terms. I believe we were worshiping him accurately this morning on his terms. Amen. Today we're going to look at the third commandment, and that commandment goes against talking, taking God's uh, name in vain. Today we're going to discover why God reveals his name to us, ways we tend to misuse his name, misuse his name, and ways that we can honor him. So I'm going to start right in your notes, so if you want to get your notes out, you can get those out. The third commandment says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. You know, many of you in here, you you memorized it this way. Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. That's what I just read, okay? God says... His name is not going to change. The text here means you shall not carry the name of Yahweh, your God, in an empty way. Now the word empty and also can be used vain means to use the name in a worthless or deceitful way to use it to promote falsehood. Now the phrase Yahweh will not hold anyone guiltless who lifts up his name for an empty purpose is really a motivational clause. This is God's way of saying he's not going to just look the other way and pretend that nothing happened if we misuse his name. Now let's look a little deeper at the meaning meaning in the background to God's Hebrew name, Yahweh. God calls Moses from the burning bush and he summons Moses to come out of the desert to confront the Egyptian Pharaoh and to free his people, uh, Israel, from their slavery. So in Exodus we read, Moses goes to God or said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Well, verse 14 in chapter 3 of Exodus says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Then verse 15 goes on to say, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, in Hebrew now, this is Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation 
to generation. God identifies himself as the same God Israel's ancestors worshiped, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Moses asked God for his name, God says, I am that I am. I am is God. And it's God's way of saying that he is eternally existent, self-reliant, the living God who exists in the past, in the present, and in the future. God says that his name, this name will stand forever. God's name did not change. Even when Jesus came into the world. After all, the New Testament never uses the personal name Yahweh at all, not once in the New Testament. The New Testament seems to put the emphasis on the name of Jesus, not the name of Yahweh, not the I am that I am name. The name of Jesus is identified in the New Testament as the name above all names. And that a time is coming when every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess the lordship of Jesus. So some have wondered is, Yahweh truly God's name that's going to stand forever. Well, since the New Testament puts such an emphasis on Jesus, there's some confusion with some people. But let's look into that a little deeper. In Matthew, the angel is talking to Joseph and says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God is the one who gave the name Jesus. The name Jesus, or in its Aramaic term form, is Joshua. And it's a combination of two words, Yahweh and salvation. So the meaning of the name Jesus is Yahweh saves. Do you think that every knee should bow to the name of Jesus? Absolutely. He's Yahweh that saves. That's why the angel told Joseph to name the child Jesus, because he would bring salvation to the world. And whenever you say Jesus, you're also saying Yahweh. Now in the Old Testament, while other nations knew God by his titles, the Creator, God Almighty, and so forth, to the people of Israel, he revealed himself by his name. Then when Jesus was born, God takes another step in closeness. Not only does he reveal himself by his name, but through Jesus Christ, he enters into his world, into our world. He becomes one of us so that he can bring salvation to each of us. This is a wonderful story. Friends, I've been hearing this story for over 40 years, and it's still like I'm hearing it for the first time. Jesus, God who saves, Yahweh. He reveals it to us in the New Testament so that we can know him personally. Amen. So let's get to the meat of this commandment. Misusing God's name. How do we tend to violate 
the third commandment. I know that we often will say it's when you use the Lord's name as a swear word in a sentence. Friends, it goes much deeper than that. It goes much deeper than that. You see, we misuse God's name whenever we misrepresent God. Remember who the Ten Commandments were given to? Moses didn't go to the Israelites while they were still in slavery and say, if you live by these Ten Commandments, God will set you free. God's grace came first. God freed his people unconditionally without the commandments. He's done the same thing for each of us that have called upon the name of Jesus. He has unconditionally set us free. The Ten Commandments, they weren't given to the world. They were given to God's people. Think about this. To men and women who've come to know God by name. It would be easy to give examples of how people misuse the Ten Commandments. But God didn't give the Ten Commandments to unsaved people. He gave commandments to us, those who have called upon the Lord for salvation. You know, when, when we talk about people that, oh man, they really curse and use the Lord's name in vain, we don't expect any different from them because they don't know the Lord. They don't know the magnitude of what they're doing to God's name. So the Ten Commandments is talking to us. Now, we need to be examples of that out in the world. And when someone from the world comes to know the Lord, then they will learn too what these are given for. See, after God saves us by his grace, we carry his name then. This is when we, it's, it's like, I like to watch golf, okay? Well, my wife says, I like to watch some of golf. And I don't take naps anymore, friends, okay? I, I'll put golf on, and I like to watch it, but that nap really just takes me, all right? It takes me. But anyhow, you, you watch these golfers. They wear hats with some sort of logo on. They usually have something on their lapel, some sort of logo. Um, it's almost, I mean, if you don't like golf, look at a racing car. Talk about logos. What are these people doing? They are carrying the company's logo with them. They are carrying what that company looks like. So if, if they have a logo on there and we go to the store, we'll recognize that logo because of being on the golfer's shirt or hat or the racing car, whatever it might be. Well, the Old Testament people, the Israel people in the Old Testament, they carried the name Yahweh. God placed his name on them like it's a logo. And it's no different in the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, is what the scripture says. And Peter tells us 
However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. You carry his name. You don't have to suffer to do that. Chances are you might and probably will, but you don't have to. But you still have his name. You carry him with you. We tend to violate the Ten Commandments or think that it's obvious ways. And one of them is using profane or vain language. You know, it would be easy to attack television and movies and popular music, but remember now, the focus isn't on the world. The focus is on Christians. It's on us. To profane is to take something holy and make it common. Whenever we use these words, God or Jesus, without thinking in empty ways, we profane the name of Jesus. When we use Jesus or God as a punctuation mark for our conversation, we're really misrepresenting God. Another obvious way, more obvious way, is false teaching. The the New Testament has a lot of warnings about people who teach things in God's name that are untrue. In fact, the scripture says to us, we need to test, try them, check it out. Make sure what your, if there's a red flag goes up in, in your mind. Look at the scriptures and make sure that it's not false teaching. Because it happens way too much. People teaching things in Christ's name that are contrary to what the word says. Another way that we misrepresent God is broken promises. And this is big with God. God is a covenant making God. And if we make covenants, he wants us to keep them. Who may worship, we're told in Psalms, who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. It's easy to keep our promises when there's no price, when it doesn't cost us anything. But the real test of faithfulness is keeping that promise when everything within us wants to break it. When everything within us wants to break it. When Jesus talked about the third commandment, he said to his followers that uh, they shouldn't swear oaths in God's name. Why? Because we already carry God's name. It's already a part of us. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Because you carry the Lord with you. You carry him. He's a part of you. Broken promises misrepresent God. Another way we misrepresent the Lord is cursing people. Whenever someone uses the word God and the word damn in the same sentence, They're calling down a curse on that person, whether we realize it or not. By damning someone, they're actually asking God to bring eternal punishment on that person. Now, Jesus talks exactly the opposite of that. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. 
since we bear Christ's name and we live in the age of God's grace, our words need to communicate God's salvation, not God's damnation. He'll take care of that. We'll take care of what we're called to do. The time of God's judgment, it's going to come. It's going to come. But for now, our job is to bring God's grace, to share good news, not bad news. So whenever we curse people, we are breaking the third commandment. Here's an important, another important way Christians misrepresent God, and that's with crusades. Now, I'm not talking about a Billy Graham crusade or a kid's crusade. Let me give you the definition of this word crusade. The word crusade is in, in this sense comes from the military crusades back in the Middle Ages. Christians in the Middle Ages took up the flag of the cross and they marched as an army to conquer cities in the name of Jesus. Building on that idea, I'm using the word crusade to describe any time we use God's word to justify our sins or our cause. An example, a protest march in the name of Jesus. I was asked one time to, be, to join a protest, uh, a march that they were doing, and I said no. I could get more accomplished by spending time on my knees than you could by marching down the street or marching wherever they were going to march. I don't remember now. When the name of Jesus is used to justify all kinds of sinful behavior, whether it's racism, hatred, homosexuality, uh, homosexual behavior, whatever it might be. I've, I've heard of men who have left their wives for a lover and they justify their action by saying, God brought this person into my life and I'm just trying to live for him and please him. I have a good friend. In fact, that good a friend that when Chris was young, we willed him to him and his wife. They were pastors in, in Lexington years ago. And a lady came to him one day and said, God told me I need to leave my husband to go into the ministry. And of course, his counsel to her was, God doesn't tell, tell you things like that. God will never tell you to leave your husband. Well, she did not like that. She created such a stir in the church that he had to leave the church. He had to resign. The district came in and, and everything was justified on his end. But still there was, there was going to be a split in the church if he would stay. So he left and he started preparing for missions. And today what that lady thought was going to ruin his life, he became a missionary to Iceland and has uh, translated the Bible into the Icelandic language. Yeah, yeah. All because somebody did something in the name of the Lord, which was a falsehood. Friends, I hear it all the time. I'm doing this because God told me to. You make sure God is telling you, don't misrepresent God. Because if you do, you're breaking the third commandment. Whenever we misrepresent 
God and breaking the third commandment. We're just locking ourselves. We can't just lock ourselves in the house and tape up our mouth so we don't misrepresent the Lord. <laughs> Let me tell a story on Chris. He, he, doesn't remember the, he doesn't remember yesterday. He was in the car seat. That's how young he was. And, oh, he was talking. We were traveling from one church to another church. I don't remember where we were at, but he was talking and talking and talking in his car seat. And Cindy says, Chris, if you don't stop talking I'm going to put a piece of tape over your mouth. He kind of looked at her. What are you talking about? This has nothing to do with the message, by the way. He says, Mom, if you put a piece of tape over my mouth, what if I have a word to say? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll pull the tape back and say my word and put the tape back over. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not amused by that. I think he's playing a game on his phone. <laughs> Amen. No, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't put yourself at a place where you think you're not misre- you can't misre- misrepresent God. Because there's a positive part to this command as well and that is honoring God's name a psalmist tells us glorify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together glorify the Lord with me let us exalt his name together we honor God in our worship the psalmist says let's do it together The Bible encourages us to worship, gather together in the name of Jesus to celebrate God's presence, hear the Bible taught, sing praises to him. When we worship together, strange and wonderful things happen. Now, I don't know how many of you this morning are struggling with unforgiveness in your life, okay? But you'd have never heard that message that was given as tongues and interpretation of tongues if we wouldn't have been here together. I don't think you'd have heard it in your, in your bedroom or your bathroom. Or, but when we got together, God spoke right to you, right to you. Think about that. That's how personal he is. As we build God's name together, so whenever we gather together to worship, we are honoring the third commandment in our lives. And at the same time, we're being encouraged. Here's what Peter said about Jesus, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. So that brings us to the next way that we honor God, and that's through our witness. That's through our witness. You see, we gather together in this place. We worship. We get into the word together. We laugh together. Sometimes we cry together. We experience God together. We know that he loves us through the encouragement of one another and the encouragement of his word so that when we walk out of this place, we are so encouraged that our witness should just glow so others can see it. 
Whenever we reach out to an unchurched friend or neighbor in Christ's name, when we gently and lovingly invite them to know Jesus or bring them through the church doors to introduce them to Christ, we are obeying the third commandment. Our witness enhances God's honor. Think about that, friends. Now, I don't know about you. I look forward to Sunday morning. I should ask for a show of hands, but I won't. Do you look forward to Sunday morning? Amen. Amen. Yes, we worship together. And and I'm not bragging on myself. I'm bragging on the word. I I give you the word. You very seldom hear me say, this is what I believe. Because I know you don't care what I believe. I want to give you the word of God. The word of God. Well, getting down to the final point here. In Colossians, it tells us, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We honor God by our lifestyle. We honor God by our lifestyle. Whatever we say or do, which pretty much covers everything, friends, whether it's buying stock or commuting on the highway, whether it's filling out our income tax or going to a concert, whether it's folding laundry or even changing a diaper, it can all be done in the name of Jesus. In fact, if we can't do it in Christ's name, it probably shouldn't need to be done at all. The bottom line of the third commandment is this. As followers of Jesus, we carry his name wherever we go, and by whatever we're doing. If we're followers of Jesus, don't take off the uniform when you leave church. Because the Bible doesn't say like the golfer has the logo on his shirt or on his hat, or the race car driver that when he puts that car in the back of the truck and drives home in his everyday car. No, the Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit on you. We carry his name with us wherever we go, on us, in us. We carry his name into our homes and into our offices and into our classrooms, into the gym, wherever we go. And whenever we misrepresent God, we violate the third commandment. Friends, I've done my share of violating the third commandment. And one of the nice things about this is it's not the unforgivable sin. We can come to the Lord and we can ask forgiveness. And hopefully we'll learn through our experience. And it might not stop today completely. It might not stop next week completely. But we can get closer and closer to not violating the third commandment. See, just with you hearing this message today, God has revealed his name to you so you can know him. And we can only bear his name if we're entered into a personal relationship with him. Friends, do you have a daily relationship with the Lord? Not a weekly, a daily one. Honoring the third commandment brings us that closer to him in our relationship.
After all, that's why God revealed his name in the first place. So we can uplift his name and not put his name in vain. Would you stand with me this morning? This is back to the basic, friends. Back to the basics. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, why don't you come to the altar? Spend some time with him at this altar. Maybe you want that deeper, closer relationship with the Lord. See, I want you to come to the altar this morning, not only for the negative things that might be happening, but for the positive things that are happening too in your life. For that personal relationship to get closer and closer to him on a daily basis. Or if you're carrying the name of Jesus and your testimony, your witness just isn't that good at times. I want you to come to the altar this morning. Just spend some time with the Lord. This is your time. This is when you can leave this altar with your head high, knowing that when you leave this place, you've gotten closer to Jesus today. Because as Moses stood at the burning bush and God said, I am that I am, Jesus is saying, I am in you today. Chris is going to lead us. You come to this altar. Positive or negative, you come to this altar. And let's let our relationship grow better with him.